0: Hi guys, welcome to the Accounting Tech Tar Pit, presented by Early Adopters Hub, the accelerator for accounting tech. I'm your host, Jack Teal, and this is a podcast for accounting tech startup founders focused on no BS, candid conversations about the challenges and benefits of building a startup in the accounting industry. Welcome everyone. Really looking forward to today's conversation with another fantastic and experienced founder, someone who has built, scaled and run an extremely successful startup all the way through to the other side, um, has successfully exited and is now underway with startup number two. Uh, Something we always find with experienced founders uh, throughout all of our journey and all the work that we do is their willingness to be open about the challenges and struggles of their past ventures, sometimes more so than founders who are currently going through the journey. Uh, But I'm really looking forward to to chatting with co-founder of Xavier Analytics and now co-founder of Socket Digital, Jonathan Gorn. Great to have you here.
1: Hey, Jack. Excited. I'm excited to uh, yeah see what I can do to to share some of the experience we've been through. So yeah, looking forward to it. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, and I mean, I know it's been somewhat of a long journey. So I don't want to go into the detail on every single thing, but I think you know everyone would be curious to understand. You know how how did you come to found build and exit Xavier at a higher level. Kind of, what was that journey like, and and why did you start it? Was was this your first startup?
1: No. So so Xavier, I guess my background. My background is I'm an accountant, so a charter management accountant. I spent um, twenty years in industry before I kind of started to look for to do something different. I wanted the excitement of working with startups and scale ups, and then with the introduction of zero. I realized that there was a really smart way of working closely with ambitious businesses. And that was the start of, um, FD works. I guess I've always had a bit of a a tech background in a perfect world. If I could roll back, I'd go into software development because I just love the, um, the ability to be able to solve problems yourselves. But that wasn't a luxury. I'm kind of nearly 50. So it's almost like the next life we'll, we'll get into that. Um, But we were working with lots of um, smart, ambitious businesses, and one of those was um, technology-based business. And every time we had quarterly reviews to talk about their business, I kind of walk away and go, "I wish I could code." And um, Rich, who I eventually ended up working with alongside a couple of others, turned around to me one day and said, "Well, what, what is it you would build?" And I guess within our practice, we'd. We cobbled together lots of different things using um, the tools you would expect of Google Sheets, Excel. And so that was really the kind of start of it. And, yeah, we decided that we were going to do something. Um, it didn't work, but that was really the start of the journey. So it was it was almost uh, the luxury of um, a client calling me out. And then we decided that we were going to try and build something together started off with a product called magic Brian, which was meant to be a forecasting tool, um, it didn't work. And the reason it didn't work is because of data quality. And so we would frantically go through and go, this isn't working because of this. We've, we've called it one name, one month, another name, another month, another name, another month. So it's kind of like, well, let's tidy that up. We're getting close this is working and then we suddenly st- stood back and it's almost like actually is there a bigger problem here and that was the start of, of Xavier analytics where we we kind of um were setting out to solve something else and then we did a big a big pivot and realized there was a bigger opportunity there
0: how how did you know i mean a lot of founders experience a personal pain point and well, and then they go off and build a product to solve that, just to find that other people don't have the same experience or they run their practices differently. How did you validate that what you were doing was necessarily important to other people?
1: So, so I guess we've always we've always gone with this philosophy of, and, and I guess we've got the luxury of we have one, whatever we do, we've always got one paying customer in FD Works. Um, so we had this kind of luxury of. Let's, let's build something which helps us out because we know that there's lots of similar um, accounting partners out there. So it was almost that bit of, well, let's build it for us. And then once we've got something that we've built for the one, we almost then started to kind of go out and with our um, kind of network, use my network a little bit to sort of say, I've got this, would it work for you? Or what else would you do? So then you start building for five and then you get in kind of lots of feedback. And then from there, it's almost that bit of we went wider and we realized that actually there was a there was a real need for it um, and we were solving real problems. So for me, it's it's that bit of um, we're perhaps different because within the team as well, we've got the skills that we Needed. So if I go back to um, Xavier Analytics or Dex Precision as it is now, in that founding team, we had um, two accountants who were working um, in small businesses every single day. And then from a technical side, we had um, someone who's very, very strong in products with Rich. We had um, a fantastic designer in Helen. And we had a fantastic um, technologist in in James. So almost we had that kind of perfect team that we could bounce everything off of each other. Um, And I think one thing that's very, very different as well is we were never on the clock. So it's that whole bit of... um, We were never working against a budget. So we weren't speccing something and then going to a, a... software house to say can you build this for us we were all in it together and so we could do the right thing as opposed to doing enough with the money we had which i think is slightly different to to a lot of um kind of businesses out there that are starting up so,
0: I mean, that's really interesting and and obviously that was, you know, maybe the beginning of the journey and, and part of the reason why you were able to to build a good product. I imagine though that, you know, despite having a good team and, and, and having a customer right from the get-go that it wasn't, uh, you know, the easiest journey and the smoothest journey. So, can you talk us through, you know, maybe some, you know, thinking you can look back retrospectively and it's easy to say these things now, but was there anything in particular that you felt you didn't get right or you know, we'll get to startup number two soon, but that you're definitely gonna take a different approach on?
1: Um, I, I think kind of hindsight hindsight's brilliant and, and what do we do? Well we bootstrapped it completely, so we didn't um, we didn't raise any money. Um I often wonder whether that's that's something that wasn't the right thing to do. And in terms of why I guess it starts to give you some value. So if you if you raise money, it's almost locking in a price at that point in time. I think then thereafter, providing you can demonstrate traction in terms of how you're growing, um, you've always got a point of reference. So if you raise money and you've got a £3 million valuation and then six months go down the line and you've grown, well, actually, you're going to be worth more than that along the line so i think that's that's kind of an interesting um would i do that differently next time possibly um we were very lucky that we got some innovate funding which is funding in the uk um which meant that we didn't have to give away any equity uh again if we'd raised money could we have built a bigger team and moved faster absolutely i think those are those are some things which kind of go through my mind in terms of, would I do that next time? That's that's definitely a possibility. Um, other than that, I kind of yeah, there's lots there's lots of things. Maybe we we would have um, we went through a process of actually we changed around some of the technology, but again, I think that's that's more the bit of we were doing things on a budget. So it was almost like, what's the cheapest? And that's definitely something we've done differently. The second time around, it's almost like, let's build an enterprise infrastructure before we even start, because we are starting out with the intention of scaling. So we've gone straight to AWS, um, and we've built on there. Whereas previously it was almost a case of actually we can save a hundred dollars here, a hundred dollars there. But actually, we probably um, spent more than that in terms of rework as we went along. But I think part of it is is we were making progress. You can't do it all. Um, you've got to make choices.
2: Jonathan, just on the bootstrapping, you, you, you talked about the limitations and the negatives, <laughs> but were there, were there some positive for bootstrapping, things that enable you that you think if you raise money, it would have been more, more difficult
1: or different? I guess it's, I guess it's who you answer to. Um, So the fact that we bootstrapped meant that actually we were answering to ourselves um, and we could definitely clarify the direction we were heading in. So we were in complete control. I know um, having spoken to other founders in terms of also our own customers, when you raise money, you've possibly then got someone who's got a slightly different agenda so whilst you whilst you might think that's the direction we should be heading in, if someone's influential is kind of turning around and going no no I think you should go in a different direction, then I think that's a, that's kind of a challenge. Um, so yeah, I I, I I think it's that that's definitely something for consideration. Is is almost like do you give up control by raising money? And I think part of that comes back to how much who it is you raise from, um, but we were, we were kind of lucky that, that yeah, as as a group of us, we decided that we were going to make some sacrifices up front because we wanted to re- retain the control.
0: Yeah, so, so how did that whole process, so you bootstrapped it and then eventually were able to exit, obviously, with Dex deciding to purchase uh, Xavier. So can you talk a little bit about that and, you know, how how early you kind of saw that opportunity, or or, or potentially how early you decided, yep, yeah, we need a we need a plan to get out, or was it just a, a something that presented itself? Can you yeah, just explain how that all went?
1: So so we never had a plan. It, it bizarrely um, it was a real yeah it was like a rocket ship. So um, we 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 created something. Um, we went to Xerocon. The year that um, Instafire was, was acquired and we'd literally just started kind of building um, building out and it, it was almost like the motivation we needed of almost like, right, okay, we're going to be back here next year in some shape or form. Imagine if we were on, on stage. So I guess we were, um, we were always building it with a mindset at, at some point, there would be an exit. Um, and I guess the more natural choice where do we think we would would exit it would probably be zero because we were building purely on that platform um we went to zerocon and um we the year after we paid for a stand and it was just incredible we just had like um three or four deep all the time of people just coming over and going i've heard about this this is amazing i need to bring my um partner back and show them so it was just um madness really, in terms of the kind of the traction and the feedback we were getting from customers so that that really kind of um us on, and I guess from that point on, the shape of the business changed slightly as well because actually when you get more customers you um you're not able to do everything, and actually those customers start to take the priority, so you do start to slow down in terms of the development. Um, and so we started to then get, um, more revenue on boards. 2020 was really the kind of the start of, um, COVID kicked in. So we were, we had, we had a kind of discussion around what do we do. And and it was almost that point of, we reckon within six months, mid middle part of 2020, we were going to go out and raise some money. Um, and then, yeah, literally left field, we get a call from, um, receipt bank at the time saying, we've heard all about you. Um, would you be interested in Nexit? An and it's kind of like, Whoa. And that was really, that was really the kind of the, the start of it. So it wasn't planned. We hadn't had any discussions with them. It was completely left field, but I think it was off the back of the traction of XeroCon. um, we won zero emerging app of the year as well so we were kind of like flying high and at the same sort of time deck uh, receipt bank as was were then starting to kind of look at becoming a multi product platform and um yeah that was that was really the start of it
0: do do you think Looking back, it would have been more beneficial to have had more of a plan around an exit. Like now that you've been through that process, do you think you left something on the table by not being prepared for it?
1: I kind of, I kind of think that playing to our strengths. So we weren't when you start up and when you scale, you have to have all of these different um, skills. And I think in terms of from, from our perspective, in terms of what our core skills are, our core skills are around subject matter expertise, building out products. We were never um, those sales and marketing kind of experts. So I think, I think actually it was um, the opportunity to join someone like Receipt Bank Dext was incredible because actually it meant that we could focus on the bits that we were very good at knowing that they had, um, they were able to do the marketing. They will be able to do the Revorg part of, um, building a business. So it just felt kind of natural. And, and yes, you could, you could sort of say, or should we have held out, um, I guess one of the other things maybe with hindsight we should have um, engaged a corporate finance company to almost perhaps go on a bit of a beauty parade but again I think that the exit to Dex was a was a good choice. Um, we learned an awful lot from it um yeah there's always a what if but I think the the what if isn't yeah we we've done we've done all right from it I've learned an awful lot from being part of a a larger organization again and I think that's kind of perhaps what then is spurred us on to um, leaving and going again playing to strengths
0: yeah no I don't think anyone's going to say you guys didn't do didn't do a great job Um, so certainly wasn't coming at it from that angle but you know you are on to number two and I guess I am curious to know like you know why I do it again and you know what's the motivation now? You've already you've already built one successful startup. You've had a successful exit. Isn't that what every founder wants?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it's that bit of um, why do it again? I like if you're not keeping yourself busy, then what are you what are you doing? Um, I I kind of having fun is a big part of it, and playing to your strengths is a big part of it. And I think if I if I look back when we started out in those early phases of of Xavier, it was just incredible in terms of that kind of um, bouncing ideas off of people that you respect that have become really good friends. It almost feels like kind of going to work is is kind of fun, um, and I think that's the bit that we're very good at of cobbling together ideas in terms of, I think there might be something here, knowing how you can um, present data in a slightly different way, hack things together. That's where I'm at my happiest. And I think Rich and James are kind of at the happiest. So that was really part of the the driver of it. Um, We'd all... Um, We'd all achieved what we set out to achieve at Dext. We'd embedded precision into um, the business. And it was then about that scale bit. And that's not something that I'm particularly good at or have got the strength in. My strength is in those early stages, bouncing around ideas. And also, um, I was the odd one out in terms of the founders, because I carried on doing 50% of my time at Works, So I continued to um, work in practice. And so I just felt as though there were still lots of unsolved problems that we could solve and had ha- started to kind of hack together a few ideas in terms of well, what we could do. Um, and the last mm. two years as well, I've been teaching myself to code. So I've got some really bad code that I've kind of cobbled together and is solving smaller problems. And so the idea now is, well, can we take some of that? And, um, Rich and James will rip it to shreds, but then we'll build, we'll, we'll find something in there, which is, which is kind of gold. And we'll take that forward with our next project.
0: I love that. Wish I well. You will inspire me, I'm sure, to go and do something myself. But in terms of in terms of your confidence levels with this startup, how how confident do you feel in terms of this is going to be something that succeeds? Um, and can you compare that to how confident you felt at the same
1: point? Yeah. With Xavier. So, so I guess I guess um, super confident. So if if I look, if I think about it. We've started a we started a new business on the first of January. And we've already got one paying customer. So that's FD Works. So we've got a we've got a paying customer, and so we are able to just kind of relax a little bit. And worst case scenario, we just make FD Works and a more a more efficient accounting practice so that's kind of the premises of if nothing else we can scale FD works but it's more than that it's more than if we've got problems then those problems are likely to be similar problems for other partners like us and like us what does that mean well we use zero at the core of what we do we use Dex products, at the core of what we do so we just think there's lots of other people out there who are going to be very similar so actually why won't we why won't we be a success
2: Jonathan just to to challenge you on that quickly um how do you make sure that you're confident but you still have the the humility that you don't know what you don't know uh, even as a second time founder and you don't become overconfident and develop a lot of a blind spots
1: so I guess we've got a we've got a team of nearly 20 people that are gonna hold us to account so we've kind of um, we've engaged the whole team in terms of introducing rich and James to the business and we've kind of set out quite a bold statement in terms of we're here to solve your problems so I think they're gonna hold us honest um, and we've already kind of started to ship some things, which are starting to make their lives easier. Um, and I think what's what's very different to perhaps other um, software vendors out there, we are on the ground all the time, asking questions, and almost we're taking a stage further and get and saying, "Show me." So, so we are. Um, we're really kind of deep and. I would hope all of us are fairly humble in terms of almost taking the time not making assumptions about what we think the right thing to do is we are almost going does this work and constantly kind of playing back and um, feedback's very strong so yeah hope I, I'm, I'm kind of like quietly confident um, but the the team are also very very vocal in terms of what they're expecting
0: in in our little preamble to this discussion, you mentioned that you you're, you have a bit of a luxury right now and that you can take it a little bit slower, perhaps, than you did than you could last time. What 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 do you have to st- have to stand to gain from taking things slower? And and you know, what do you have any advice for early stage founders with respect to that?
1: So so I guess why why take it slower? Um, If you jump in, so we've, we've got, we've definitely got avenues, which we can, um, kind of pursue and we've started to kind of pull together, um, boards in terms of what it is we think we can do. Um, but without really getting underneath the skin of things and, and understanding how people, how the team do their work, we may miss something. So we've almost kind of set ourselves the luxury of the first six months if we we don't have to say this is what we're doing for that first six months we can almost kind of um explore and part of the reason for exploring is because we think there might be something more significant out there that if we just dived in built something we might miss something a little bit left field um We've also got the whole kind of luxury of, we know where the time is being spent in the practice. So we've got lots of kind of data to understand. Um, so for example, we're spending a lot of time in email. Okay, what we're starting to do now is dig a little bit deeper and go, well, actually, what are you doing in email? And and almost kind of, um, is, email me, is email the default, for example? because um, a particular piece of software might not do what, it, what you want it to. Well, let's kind of explore those types of things. And I think if we, if we just dived in, um, we may miss some of those um, kind of nuggets, which may influence a feature or they may influence a product. Um, so yeah, let's be, let's be open-minded. And again, one example already we've got a challenge whereby software you've got to put um, a phone number in so you've got to put a text message in to receive a code the team have been using their personal mobiles Rich and James have kind of looked at that and already have, they've built something whereby we've now got a centralised um, phone number that we can link anything to and that's pushing it into Slack so it's little things like that that um we would never have spotted had we just dived straight in. But we've come up with a really nice little um hack that the team are already starting to kind of get value from. Now that's not going to be our end business, but it might be that there's there's other things like that that we can piece together solutions and they will help people. Um, if we go too fast we'll miss those opportunities.
2: Jonathan, just to touch on something you mentioned very slightly and briefly but i still picked up on that you said with you know sometimes you will save a hundred dollar a hundred dollars pounds here and there uh, but now kind of like your approach coming to a second startup a few things you you don't look at it that way so what how much of an impact do you think sometimes little shortcuts and savings like that can have that that, that you're potentially changing your approach now a bit
1: um, I, I, I guess I guess it it it's a significant one. Um, so so definitely around we've we are building the end solution. So what we don't want is let's say in two years' time when someone comes in and looks at the business from a due diligence point of view, we we've, we've almost kind of set off in the journey that actually we'll be able to tick all of those boxes, even simple things like we're starting to build a data room so that everything that goes in that in everything that we do, there's almost got a space in the data room from um, employment contracts through to um, building on technology which is scalable so um, the technology stack that we're building out would probably be would probably pass tests at any of the top um, vendors. So everything is on AWS because actually, as soon as you say it's on AWS, it ticks a box. Whereas if you said it was on DigitalOcean, it would be a, we've got to do more testing on it. So we've definitely kind of set out on that journey of let's do the right thing, even if it's going to cost us a little bit more in the short term, but actually, I think it's not just the money that's important. It's also the time in terms of rework. So yes, you might save $100 every kind of month, but actually when it comes to a rebuild, it might take you um, months to do it. And I think we don't necessarily put enough value on our time because it's always harder to track so yeah, for me, for me it's almost that bit of we are starting out big even though we're small.
0: It's a, it's a really interesting one because I think there's a lot of founders out there who think oh it's a good problem to have, you know, if I've got customers and I've got scale issues that's great, I'll deal with that when that happens because it means I've done something right to get to that point. Um, but it's interesting to hear, you know, despite you know all the success you guys had that you're going to change your approach this time around so look it's been a really good conversation and I don't really want to end it but you know we always ask one final question of the founders that we talk to and it can be difficult to answer on the spot so I appreciate that but when you look back at the journey that you've been on anywhere throughout that journey uh, and where you are now um, you know do you think there's anything that any strategy any decision you made or that you see a lot of founders make that that looks really good on the surface but it's a bit of a tar pit underneath in saying that you know a lot of startups make these decisions because it looks great, but it's really it's really not as good as it looks.
1: Oh, tricky question. Um, I guess I guess for me it's it's that bit of. Um, Making making kind of lots of assumptions. So I, I think um, it's interesting looking now at software, other software vendors, and you can see lots of them who jump on something which they think is kind of big, um, and I think sometimes they're missing they're missing tricks of not really getting underneath the skins of. What is it that users are doing? So I think that's that's sometimes I see people kind of jumping on the big things, but actually there's always quite a few people that are chasing that same um, horse, let's call it. And I think that I would always say that bit of really stop and ask the questions of the people that are using it, how they're using it, why they're doing it in a certain way, as opposed to just making those kind of assumptions and following the big things, um, because quite often, the people that you're following have got bigger pockets than you. But actually, I think you can outmaneuver maneuver them by really understanding what the users do and what the user's problem is, as opposed to that bit of, let's just follow the crowd. I, I think there's always an opportunity there of diving deep, asking lots of questions, being humble, um, and building, building to solve real problems.
0: Love that. Perfect way to end it. Thanks, Jonathan. Really appreciate your time. It's been, it's been good to, to hear your journey. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you once again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you are a potential founder in your early stages of developing a product or elsewhere in the journey struggling to achieve product market fit, we would love for you to reach out at www.earlyadoptershub.com. This has been another episode of the Accounting Tech Tar Pit, presented by Early Adopters Hub, the accelerator for accounting tech.